on this week's episode of the WNP Podcast. It's my guy's time. Stay tuned. Episode 171 of the Worn Out Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mitchelson, and joining me today, as always, my co-host, Chase Crawshaw. Chase, how are you? I'm doing swell. Thank you for asking. Other than the fact that I was scrolling Instagram before, you know, before we started here, just, just looking at, you know, and just indulging some social media. I haven't done much today. And then I saw a post from Barstool Game Time that a gun skin in csgo sold for four hundred thousand dollars of real life money and now i'm just like angry because like why is that a thing four hundred thousand dollars yes i'm gonna have to start playing csgo what the frick that's what I, that's what i'm saying dude like you, you open like random packs of csgo oh look i'm, a, I'm a, i got one half million dollars <laughs> like i don't get it yeah i you know i'm not a I'm I'm a Smite guy, and there's some pretty cool skins in Smite, but I gotta say I think the most I've spent on like a Smite skin was maybe twenty bucks. So four hundred thousand seems a bit out of my price range. That's what I'm saying, dude. That that's fucking that's crazy. Well, that, that that's just that's wild. Well, now you brought all of us down because. You know, you, me, the listeners, none of us are $400,000 richer, but all of us now are interested in playing CSGO. So, yes. great job. <laughs> uh, today on the show, we're going to be doing My Guys. Uh, we did it last year, and uh, we had landed on with us last year. We, me, I forgot to reach out to him until, I think it was just yesterday. I was like, oh, I should probably invite Landon. And so I texted him see where he was at in his uh, process, and he still had a little bit to go. So I was like, all right, you know what? We'll just do Chase and I. We're going to do five each. And these are guys that we are much higher on than the consensus, as well as I would say, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but Chase, you can agree or disagree. Uh, I think that these are also guys that we're willing to put our names on and say, yes, these guys are going to be successful at the next level. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like there's, there's um on my list, I've I've got nine guys I felt comfortable saying my guys that like I believe that I, I'm very high on it. I think they can have success, but every you know every guy I I understand their flaws overall, so I could see a path where maybe they don't. But I also just I'm such a firm believer that I can't not you know bring these guys up. Absolutely. So it's gonna be a good show, and it's a little different compared to our rankings. Uh, I'd have to imagine that you have heard of, if not all of these guys, at least most of these guys, because I would have to say if there are top guys, they would be in our top eight or 10, however many prospects we did for that respective position. So uh, I'd have to say you've probably heard of most of these guys, but we're going to tell you uh, why exactly they have found a special heart, a uh, special place in our heart and uh, why we think they could be so successful. So, like I said, five each. We're going to go one at a time. Chase, we'll start off with your number one. 
So my number one is running back. I, I like. I think you know where I'm going here. Yeah. My, my my dude for years, running back Deuce Vaughn is who I'm starting off with. There, you could have thought the other running back that we talked about too, but Deuce Vaughn. He is my number one, my guy. He's he tops my list of my guys because I I, I understand. I, I I understand the hate, but it's also not very justified for me. Yeah, he's he's a small player. I, I get that. How many running backs have success under 200 pounds? Yes, I get that. But it's it's not just that. It, it, it's different. You know, we've seen a smaller running back have a lot of success. Tariq Cohen was very good till his injury, and his injury was not because of his size. His injury was just an unfortunate injury that happened. So don't say, oh, because he was small. Like, he didn't get tackled and die. Like, he, he, had a, he had a tough ACL injury. It is what it is. Um, and then you see Darren Sproles. He had a very successful NFL career for a guy, you know, of his stature. And now we're talking about Deuce Vaughn, who is a, you know, a, a very different build because he is smaller. Uh, he has a strong you know a, a stronger bmi um like index percentage so it, when you when you're comparing those like it, it's a completely different type of back he's got great agility great elusiveness but he has that power he has that boom he's not afraid to run into you like, he really isn't and it's just it's so unique to see from a guy this size and from the first game i saw him say play college football i, just, I was always a fan and never disappointed every single game it's like dude, this guy is the only reason kansas state even bothers competing in football games because he really just he carried the load for that team, man. And I saw a stat today. I meant to save it, but I forgot. And I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but it was um it was yards per target over expected um for running backs all like all time in college football since like the stats being recorded. And it it'd been last like 15, 20 years or something. And Deuce Vaughn was like sixth uh, like all time that list. So he was putting up fantastic receiving numbers, um, like that he was not expected to, which is just, you know, I think he's a very talented runner and that just proves that he's also a very talented receiver. So he's a guy that no matter where you want to use him, I understand he won't, won't be used as a all, you know, every down back and in, in an NFL team. That's fine. Whatever. Even if you use him as like your one B or a second running back, like you're not going to find many better one B's or running back twos in the league. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I think it's the type of dude that he's, He's in the mid to high four or fives, like four, like fours for carries, like four or five plus for um, yards per carry. And I think he, someone that can safely catch 45, 50 balls a year, if not more. I I think he's just someone you're going to want to use in an offense because the skill set, it's just, it's so unique and so impressive. And, you know, maybe you can do different things with him because of that, like that size, that build that he has. I don't know if, as long as he can prove that he can hold up physically and he can run some guys over, like sky's the limit. Yeah, and we talked about how Deuce Vaughn could be awesome in a thunder and lightning type of role. We mentioned Damian Pierce and the Houston Texans. That could be a nice little fit for him. Uh, Deuce Vaughn was a guy, I think I had him either six or seven in my running back rankings initially. Uh, he now sits at my number nine, but that's no hate towards him because there's a lot of really talented backs in uh, the draft this year. And. Uh, with the whole, you know, he's small, durability issues, question mark, all that kind of stuff. He's thick for a smaller guy. And I think the only way I would have durability ish or question marks about him, I should say, is not because of his size purely, but because of his size and play style. You mentioned how he likes to be physical. He's got that dog in him. He likes to put the boom on people. And I'm just worried if he tries to do that against you know, a six, four player that might not go over too well, but I, there's not much to hate about Deuce Vaughn. I don't see him 
as a three down back. And I think you mentioned, you know, that's not going to be his role at the next level. And when you're looking to change a pace back, he's going to be a top three change of pace back in the league. No doubt in my mind. Absolutely. Like it's, he's just so much fun to watch and he's going to be so much fun to watch. As long as whoever takes him, gives him a fair shot. And if he gets a draft capital that I think he deserves, um, or even close to what I think he deserves, like, he he's going to do great things. He's going to really help a team. If he can go to a team that just like they're ready to go, like, like you know, you can go somewhere where he can just be a nice complimentary piece. Like I would love him as a Detroit Lion. I really would. You can let Montgomery carry a big bulk of the work because it seems like Swift's out the door. You can still use Swift. You can use Deuce Vaughn this year. And then going forward, you have a Montgomery Deuce Vaughn duo. I think that would be awesome. I, I, it would be so much fun. I would I would have a Deuce Vaughn jersey ordered the day of the draft. Like I, I would be so happy, and, and I think it truly fits to go have him go somewhere where maybe he's on a bad team for four or five years. Like it might be kind of wasting him, but at the same time, I also don't think he's going to get that full usage. So maybe you could preserve him a little bit. I don't know, but if he can go to a team that he can, you know, go, go to a true contender, and if they don't want to throw him, you know, throw him to the wolves, he can be that nice one B or even just if it's two, if needed to a better back, like when he goes out there, he's just going to, he's going to make magic. He's going to create plays. And if you can, you know, let him have, you know, like 12 touches a game, like he, he's going to, he's going to have hundred yard games in that, like multiple times, because he's just good enough to do it. And he's an exciting player, but I think people don't really see or realize what kind of, uh, I guess person he is and like the mentality that comes with his game. Like he is a guy that is there to grind it out. He is ready to go. And I think whatever team drafts him, they're going to see that very early on. Like you talked about how you hope whichever team drafts him, gives him a chance. I think there's going to be no way that they don't give him a chance because of what he does in training camp, because of how he shows up day in and day out. This is a guy who's, going to impress a coaching staff. And I think absolutely we'll get that chance and, and we'll make the best of it. So excited to see what Deuce Vaughn can do at the next level. But um, he, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Excited to see what he can do at the next level. Right. There we go. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. My number one, my guy, I was thinking, do I stay in the same position group? I decided, no, let's go with my number one. Uh, my number one guy, and I've been seeing a little bit more love for him recently. Recently saw him as the number one offensive tackle in a mock draft, and that's darn all right out of Tennessee. Uh, absolutely love him. He is my offensive tackle three. I see him more as a right tackle than a left tackle, but this guy is an absolute mauler. He will bite kneecaps. He will absolutely bully people in the pocket. He went up against B.J. Ojolari and Will Anderson this season, and neither of them were able to record a sack against Hendon Hooker. So this guy has the ability to be a true lockdown right tackle, in my opinion. I think he is just so incredibly physical against smaller guys. And then when it comes to the quickness, his hands are locked down. I mean, he just brings out his paw and there's a great video that I saw on Twitter. Joe Goodberry tweeted it. And BJ Ojolari put Darnell Wright on skates for a brief second to start the play. Somehow, 
Darnell Wright was able to put out his right hand, hold B.J. Ojolari back from the quarterback, as well as spin himself back onto his feet at the same exact time. I've got no idea how an athlete of over 330 pounds does that, but Darnell Wright does that. And he is easily my number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals if he's available. I think that he is going to be a 10-year starter at right tackle, and he's going to be one of the best right tackles in the league. Uh, I There's not much bad I can say about him. I think that he tends to look down a little bit, tends to get caught uh, looking down and lunging, whether that be in the run game or the pass game, but he's got the recovery ability, and I just love Darnell Wright so much. If you've seen any of his Twitter stuff, uh, it could be a little bit questionable. I know he... Freaked out on a dude for saying that he was only a right tackle. Uh, he said, you know, when have you ever played in the NFL? And, you know, what accolades do you have to say that kind of stuff? But he's also a guy that turns down um, chicks in his DMs, like uh, OnlyFans girls. Oh, so yeah. uh, he, he's a he's a crazy guy on social media, but he's also a crazy guy on the line, and that's what I love to see. And, you know, when I, when I have a my offensive tackle seven. It's not because I think he's bad. Like it's still a second round grade for me. I I think that he's someone that for me. I don't know if I feel comfortable starting him day one. I think you still got work to do. I think he's you saw a lot of what you're you know what you're a big fan of. I saw that on the film, but I didn't see it enough. Like I I think it's it's a consistency thing where just just you know the reps that'll eventually get in practice and games, I think it's going to help him really move, move, you know, along. And I think he could be a good, good offensive tackle. And see, I think he, he could be someone that you safely start um, to be one of the best in the league. I, I just, I don't, I don't know if I want to say that because, you know, with six other guys, I like more in this class. And then some of the classes that we've had in recent years, it, it, it's hard for me to get there. Like, you know, when you look at Penny Sewell, for example, I don't imagine him ever being better than Penny Sewell. Like, is that Alliance favoritism thing? I don't know, but I just, I can't imagine him ever being better than Penny Sewell. Like that's just, that's just one example. And there's going to be other guys in this class that are on the right side, other guys that come up. Um, but is like, you, you don't have to be the best right tackle in the league in order to be a very good NFLer. And I, I think if, if he just goes in and he, if he can start for 10 years, like you said, like that's, that's a great NFL career. That's a career that very, 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 very professional athletes at any level have. And that would, that would be successful. He doesn't have to be a top five, top 10 guy in the league at the time. If he's, I mean, top 10 would be nice, but like, he doesn't have to be a top five, top three, whatever. But like, if he's consistently like in that, you know, that six to 10 spot in terms of talent at the right tackle and just keeps doing that for 10 years, that's a fantastic career. Awesome return investment, basically no matter where you take him. But I think it's going to take a little more time. I don't think he's someone I'd want out there right away, just trusting him with everything. So that's the only reason I'm a bit lower on him, but I still see how you could get there, and I think the talent is there. Yeah, and I'm cool with him starting day one. I mean, when you go up against Will Anderson, who is our number two overall player in this draft class, when you go up against B.J. Ojolari, who is a very talented edge player in himself and don't give up anything, I think that you're going to be just fine going up against some of the guys at the NFL level at that right tackle position. Uh, I do have to say, I don't think he is as scheme versatile as some other guys like Penny Sewell. I think very scheme versatile. He's got that athleticism uh, to do whatever you need him to do. Uh, Whereas I think Darnell Wright is going to be more of your pass blocking, very strong, um, 
you know, stone wall type of player. If you're going to be doing a bunch of zone runs and hoping that he can pull and do all that stuff, I don't think he's going to be your guy. I don't think he's going to be the worst in the league at it or the worst in the draft at it. But I think that if you're really looking at Darnell Wright as your first round pick, he's got to match the scheme as well. So um, I will say there, I think uh, even though he's an all right mover for how big he is, you should not expect him to be a big puller in the zone run type of game. And, you know, I, I, I don't disagree. And one more, um, you know, gripe I have with him, and it's really only in, like, an, an issue for me for offensive linemen. Every other position, I don't care that much about the arm and hand measurables, but it, it does make, it, make a difference for offensive linemen. It really does. And having nine-inch hands, having 33 and three-quarter-inch arms, and having an 82 wingspan, like, those are all things that are, like the, the wingspan's about you know what what's tested as average you know over time, but the others are are low end and nine inch hands are are small, and it, it's gonna you know limit your ability at grabbing guys and and extending reaching out for guys that are you know gonna be bigger, stronger, faster in the NFL. So that's why I think he's gonna need a little more time to make sure that he can do it, and I think he can get there. I absolutely think he can. He can I think he can win despite the arm the arm size, but or the arm length and the hand size. But I think he's just gonna kind of need to make sure that to himself and to prove his you know his coaching staff that yeah you know this isn't ideal but it doesn't matter because i'm good enough like, i i think that is definitely possible but that's part of the whole development thing for me too don't you like little arms himself peter skaronsky yeah but i think he's probably gonna move to the interior in the nfl i i think he i think he could i think he's better than um you know than right is right now and i think he is going to be like an absolutely elite guard in the nfl like like quentin nelson level elite if he goes to guard where i still think he is one of the better tackles in the league if he plays tackle. Man, he should play. You should blah, 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 blah. He should be in your my guys list. I don't know. Quentin Nelson level. Uh, I mean, I guess if it's this year because Quentin Nelson was not that guy this year. But uh, yeah, I don't think Quentin Nelson coming out like automatically best player in the league. But it's like what Quentin Nelson's like pan out to be. Like, he's still been obviously one of the one of the better ones. But like it's he's slightly underwhelmed. Like he he, he has. And I, I think Peter Scronsi can like perform how he has. I really do, especially like these last two years. I really, I really think that's not that's like, I think it's very possible. Okay, cool. Let's get to your, my guy. number two, let's say the position group of running back. Why not? Right. Sure. All right. My number two is my running back three. Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson. The hell's that? Roshan Johnson, the better running back from Texas. No, but yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, Graham's take Ro- tracker. Johnson, Graham takes tracker. Yeah, no, don't don't do that. It's okay. Um, I'm a huge Roshan guy. You know, I talked about it during the show that, that we had for running backs. I just, I love, 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 love his talent. I've gone back and watched running backs. I've gone back and watched almost every offensive position. Still got to do it for defense. And he didn't change at all. He didn't go any further down. He moved up in my overall rankings, but his grade didn't change because like everything I saw before I just saw it again. Like he, he's just, he's got, you know, great, you know, great maneuverability for a side. Like he, um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a little bit bigger. Um, he doesn't have like, you know, just pure speed, but you know, from, from what I saw, he's got, you know, a great initial burst. I, I think that he can, you know, move pretty well side to side. He's got good overall athleticism and he's just a smart ball carrier who hasn't had a ton of workload in college. Like, he was behind the best running back in college football. <laughs> At least what you can do in that one. If he would have transferred out and went to like basically any other power five school, like he's the number one. 
and it's not much of a question because the talent is it's there. But I think he served himself better for the NFL. Maybe in terms of where he's getting drafted, I don't know. But in terms of how his body's going to hold up, he served himself better being in Texas because now he has less reps. He can go into the NFL and he can take on a bigger load if needed, and he's going to last longer than you know a guy that that got hit 600 times in college. But there isn't anything that isn't in his game for me, even if it's not at the absolute elite levels. I like basically every part of his game, I, I think is at minimum, very strong. Um, if not high end, like I, I, I someone that if I played him all like every, every down, no complaints. If you want to use him rotational, maybe he can be more efficient that way. I, I don't know. But like, if, if you take him and he's your only running back, I don't think you're going to have any issues. I, I still think he's a guy that he can carry the rock 300 times. He, he can make 30 catches and you feel very safe with that. He's someone that will go later than the second round, more likely than not. And I think you get an absolute killer value just about anywhere you get him. Yeah. I think there's only two things that I have question marks about with Roshan Johnson. And uh, I've updated my rankings recently as well. He now sits at my running back six. Um, Roshan Johnson Great player overall. Two biggest question marks is, one, you mentioned how not playing a ton, playing more of a backup role in college is going to be good for his body going forward. I agree, but I also question, with the lack of reps, is everything we've seen on tape the truest ability, the truest form that we've seen him? Um, I'd like to see, you know, if he was able to do it a little bit more, that would have been cool to see, you know, the, the consistency across 500 snaps versus 200 snaps is big. Um, and then secondly, uh, I think that he's fine when it comes to the pass game. And if you're looking for just, you know, a little bit of screen action or, um, little safety blanket type of. Uh, passing, he's going to be just fine. But if you want to be more creative with him, similar to a Jameer Gibbs, Alvin Kamara, stuff like that, I don't think he's going to be able to, to excel in that role. So those are my only two big gripes with him right now. Um, but overall, I think he's an awesome back. And if he goes to a really nice position, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to pass up on him uh, with the fantasy draft coming up soon thereafter. Yeah, 100%, 100% man. And, that, that's exactly like a, thir- a 30, you know, catch per year guy is that's fa- for fantasy football. That, that is going to be very valuable. And that is something that's, that's very valuable to an NFL team. But that is a guy that's going to get more underneath. I mean, maybe he runs a quick Texas route and he's three yards in line scrimmage and he throw him the ball, something like that. But like overall, he's not going to he, he's not going down the field. He's not hitting streak routes. He's, he's you know not doing that type of stuff. And you don't need to like most running backs don't need to. So if you're good enough and you can get more creative, that's awesome. That's a great skill set to have, but most running backs don't need to nowadays. So you don't have to worry about that too much for him. And if you really want to worry about it, you can go bring in a specialty player to go do that. But if he can go somewhere and he can kind of get the ace role, I think he would have a lot of success. I really do. I agree with you. And uh, for my, my guy, number two, we're going to stay in the running back position and very similar to how you view Roshan Johnson, I view Kendra Miller out of TCU. He is my running back three, coming in at six foot two twenty. He's a big dude. I mean, if you saw pictures of him in his crop top working out, I mean, the guy is massive. I know I sent it to you, Chase. Dude is a big boy, and he doesn't always play like he's you know that big power back. He has some really nice elusiveness to him. I think he's going to be an 
awesome three down back. I think he's suitable in the same fashion that Roshan is. I don't think he's going to be a fantastic pass catching back, but I think if you're looking for screens, safety blanket, that type of action, he's going to be just fine in that category. Um, I think that this guy is or has the elusiveness that most big men don't. I mean, when you look at his force missed tackle rate, it's over 30%. I know when we initially looked at him and I was talking about how excited I am for him, I said, it seems like he, you know, broke a tackle or forced a missed tackle like 80% of his plays. Obviously, that'd be impossible. I think Bijan's was like 37%. Um, but I think Kendra Miller is sitting around 33, 34% of force missed tackle rate. This guy is excellent at that. Um, so there's a lot of things that I really like about Kendra Miller. Um, speed isn't blazing, but I think that he's sitting, sitting in a similar level to the likes of your Roshan, Zach Charbonnet, guys that aren't going to take one 80 yards to the house. But if you get a 40 yard chunk out of this guy and he breaks three tackles along the way, you're not going to be angry about that whatsoever. So Kendra Miller, very similar, uh, in my eyes as Roshan is to you. I think that if he goes to a good position, he's probably going to be a top six, top seven pick for me in the fantasy draft. Yeah, and I, I think the talent is definitely there to be, you know, s- someone that, like, if he was used in, you know, a higher-end role, like, I think he could have success. I, right now, I've got him as a third-round pick, um, my 12th overall running back in the class, which just shows what I think of the running back class. And, you know, if it were a week, if, if it were in last year's class, he'd be a lot higher than 12 because last year's class was a bit weaker where there's a lot of talent I really like in this class. So ends up falling a bit. And really the problem for me was like, he just looked so slow to me in, in film. He really didn't is testing kind of proved that, you know, it was closer to four or six. It, and it's not like that's horribly slow for running back. When you're looking at a receiver, that's when, you know, that speed was more underwhelming running backs. It's a little bit different. You worry more about shifting. It's not just straight downfield. So it's not like it's the end of the world. But he looks slow to me, and I, I do think um, overall, though, like if he can get to a spot where he's trusted, he can definitely have some success. I mean, you saw it at, at TCU; he absolutely dominated, put up some very strong numbers. And at the end of the day, production don't lie, and it's a big thing to thank Bigsby. You know, I I can't praise Tank Bigsby for that, and not praise Kendrick Miller for that, because like that'd just be hypocritical. The production does matter. He dominated; he really did. He he played so well. And there is a lot to like. I, I do think that, you know, the forced mistake rate is huge. And I think he's got, you know, strong agility. I think he has good ball carrier vision. I just, the speed concerns me a little bit. And I just think he really, you know, needs to find more consistency in the pass game. Even if you don't use him a ton that way, um, I, I like Roshan better in the pass game than I do him. So if he can continue working all that, yeah, I think he's got a very good shot of being a, you know, a, a good NFL back. And I think a lot of guys in this class do, quite frankly. But, uh, if you know if I had to put my eggs in one basket, it's not going to be Kendra, but I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him be successful. If it makes you feel any better about the uh, whole speed aspect, um, I kind of understand what you're saying when you watch the tape, but I don't think it's him running balls to the wall. He's a very patient runner, especially near the line of scrimmage. And then secondly, he didn't test at all. He didn't participate in the combine or his pro day. Uh, so I think the numbers you're seeing out there are probably projections. Oh yeah, projections. Yeah, because uh, I was I was looking, I looked it up, and I went to NFL Draft Buzz to try to see, and I just read read the forty time because I couldn't see anywhere else. So that makes sense. Yeah. So he could because he's been dealing with I think it was a back injury. Um. So he didn't do anything uh, at the combine or the pro day. But uh, I think that like the speed really doesn't bother me. 
I mean, he's not running a 4-7. I don't think he's running a 4-6. I think he'd be similar to your Zach Charbonnets and Tank Bigsby's, the low 4-5s. So um, I, I'm just super excited about this guy. I think that the potential with the force missed tackle rate as well as the patience he shows at the line of scrimmage as well as his size, like all of that, putting it all together and being able to have a team fully back you, like I think the sky is the limit and I am very excited to see where he goes. Now, if he goes to a place that isn't as fun, I think that goes for all these guys. I mean, especially the running back position. Uh, opportunity is is definitely something that they need to really thrive. And, you know, if a Roshan or a Kendry Miller go to, like, a, a Dallas, where they're obviously going to be sitting behind Tony Pollard for at least the first little bit of their career, that's going to be a bummer. Yeah, I, I do agree. I want to see basically all these running backs on the field as early as possible, see what they can do. Because I do think a lot of guys can have success. So I'm going to agree with you. Definitely in that aspect. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him really get it a shot for, kind of from day one, see what he can do. All right, number three, who do you got? So number three, I got you know five total players on this list, three offensive, uh, two defensive. So my final offensive player, I do have Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver from West Virginia, guy that I've been raving about ever since I saw his film. And I saw his testing, and I'm a big athlete guy when it comes to receiver. It's the really one position where it really – sways me one way or the other like quarterbacks it's nice running backs it's nice tight ends it's nice cornerbacks it's nice linebacker it's all it's nice everywhere but receiver it, it really matters to me especially with size when when you're an athletic freak with that type of size it it just it changes things teams have to even if you don't have like super sure hands like some guys might not teams still have to you know scheme themselves a little bit differently because they have to prepare that Maybe you'll go up and grab a ball, or you'll just beat me downfield. I don't know. I got to put different types of guys on you. Just got to make sure I have a guy that can cover you. And you know that's what Bryce Ford Wheaton offers. As you know, standing at six four two twenty one, he ended up running um you know a four three eight, which is you know very very fast for that size. Um, his his RAS score, RAS score, I think it was his three cone. If he got it to six flat instead of like the six two, it was some uh, something like that. Six nine seven. He would have been. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Close enough. Uh, but if he had gotten a six flat somehow, he cause he finishes like the wide receiver two or three on, on that list, whatever it was. And if he got that six flat, he would have been a higher ranked athlete than Calvin Johnson, who's currently sits at that one spot, which is just crazy. It, it it really speaks to that athletic ability he has. And you can combine it with his, you know, his production. Yeah, you see, all right, four years, he, he got 143 career receptions. Seems low. He's not playing in some pro- prolific passing offense. He's playing for West Virginia. They, they, you know, not a aired out 60% of the time type of offense by any means. So when you see a 62 catches for 675 and seven, that's, you know, that's, that's good overall. I, I, you sure you want to see, you know, maybe, maybe him averaging 14, 15 yards, yards per catch like that, that I can understand that to, you know, to an extent, but that's just not the way they operated as an offense. He didn't really get the chance to fully showcase his abilities. I think if he can go somewhere and get on the field early, um, you know, as that number two, number three type doesn't have to be, you know, playing every down, but just give him a chance. I, I think he could really shock some people. And as long as he continues to develop himself, continues to develop that round, tree, that route tree a bit, develop his hands a little bit. I think he's got a ton of opportunity for success. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely an awesome athlete and really interested to see how he's able to, 
kind of develop his game to get to that next level. Um, but you mentioned how he needs to develop the hands a little bit. I saw that as well. He seemed a little bit inconsistent with his hands. Um, I noticed that on film, when it came to 50-50 balls, and they're called 50-50 balls for a reason, but there were times where he was absolutely dominant, made it look like you know 70-30-80-20. But then there were times where I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just an off day or if he had to poop or or what it was, but he it was nearly an 80-20 ball for the corner that he was up against. Um, And then I think two things when it comes to his physical aspects, physical attributes, uh, I think he needs to put on a little bit more size. It doesn't seem like his play strength is great. Seems like he can get knocked off routes quite a bit, gets pushed out to the outside when it comes to uh, his go routes. And, you know, that's the corner's job, push you out to the boundary. Um, But it seems it's a little bit too easy for them at times when it comes to BFW. And then finally, uh, you mentioned the three cone. Um, His three cone sits just above average. Uh, I think the grade itself is a 649. So just sitting above average. And I kind of noticed that as well. He's, He's got the speed, but when it comes to his quick change of direction, it's not really uh, elite. So I think if it was, then he could turn himself into a fantastic route runner. And after the catch, he could be even more dangerous than what he is. But a guy with this kind of athleticism, you look at his vert as broad, it shows he's got that explosiveness. You see the 40-yard dash. He's got the speed as well. This is definitely a player to take a chance on. I just think he's going to take a little bit longer to actually develop and hopefully become that high-end player that you see him as. Yeah, man, I hope this is, you know, if the Lions aren't going to go, uh, you know, super high for a receiver, th- this is the exact unit I want them to take because I-, I do see a path where he could really have a ton of success. And, you know, the three cone, sure, you raise some questions about it, but, you know, it, the easy comparison is DK Metcalf because it's a very similar build, similar, you know, f- like four times, similar athletic numbers. DK ran a little bit faster, but still, at the end of the day, generally similar. DK's three cone was, was a seven three eight, and and when you look at the, at the six nine here for Bryce Ruiz, that makes it feel a little bit better because you know that obviously is better, and I I think that if you use him in a same same type of role, that he could have a lot of similar success. Um, maybe he's not ever going to lead your team in receiving yards or, or receptions. I I I I think maybe if he ends up being an elite number two, that'd be awesome, but. I still see a path where he is a thousand yard receiver often because he has this, you know, u- unique ability to combine, you know, the speed and, and size combination where it's just going to be so hard to match up against him. Just get him, you know, get him the reps practice, just continue to develop him, give him, you know, the, the chance to succeed in the NFL. And I think he finds a way to do it. Yeah, potentially could be exciting. Uh, I, I don't know if he goes as high as DK Metcalf does. And we talked about how no. DK Metcalf, he even fell. I know a lot of people were projecting him, I think like 11 to the bills or whatever, because the bills were in desperate need of a wide receiver and DK Metcalf obviously put on a crazy combine. Um, and so technically compared to expectations as we we're heading into the draft, he fell a little bit, but uh, I think he still went like what 63 or something like that. He was right at the end of the second round. I don't know if he was the like ex- like last second round pick or if it was like bottom three, but it it, it was somewhere around there. It, it was something like that. Yeah. Where do you see Bryce Ford Wheaton going? I think he probably ends up 
um, like early to mid round four. I, I think, you know, he's not refined enough where you want to take him above some of these other guys, and which, you know, fair enough, but it's going to be too hard to ignore the measurables. And if somebody takes him end of day two, I'm really not going to be that surprised. But like the, the what he has, I really don't see anybody, you know, to waiting too long to not take a chance on him. Mm-hmm. I feel you for sure. All right. We are going to go to... Let's see, do I knock off my only defensive player or do I go to another offensive player that uh, I am very high on? I don't know, man. I got two more defensive guys, so um, I, I we're not going to have the same defensive guys, so it doesn't even matter. Whatever whatever you want to do. I, I, I kept it my offensive players then defensive just to keep them on the same side of the ball, but you, you can do whatever you want. I'll go with my offensive player because I think I'm, on, I'm higher on him versus consensus than the defensive player, and that's... Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa. Uh, This guy was easily the number one threat on that Iowa offense. He often played in the slot and even on the boundary as a tight end. And he is just such a fluid athlete. And that's one thing that I think is a very high grade point for me is if you're not a fluid athlete, if you're your hips are tight if you're a little clunky i mean you look at michael mayer he if he was an elite athlete he would easily be the number one tight end in this class in my opinion i mean he's fantastic when it comes to his blocking his catching all of that but he's not that fluid of an athlete whereas sam laporta i mean that's the first thing that stands out to me how fluid he is and then when you look at his route running it is better than 80 percent of the wide receivers in this class this dude can do it all at that tight end position. He's got great hands. He was the um, Big Ten tight end of the year, I think, just last year, uh, the 2021 season, that is. Sam Laporta is just that guy when it comes to his receiving upside. Um, and then also, I think he's a better blocker than your Dalton Kincaid's. I got to go back and watch Dalton Kincaid, but I think as of right now, Sam Laporta is the better blocker. And then I feel like their uh, actual receiving ability is pretty similar. So I'm excited to see where Sam Laporta goes. I wouldn't be mad if he went to the Bengals at 28. I think he's going to be more of a late date or a late round two, early round three type of tight end. He's not getting as much love as your Dalton Kincaid's Michael Mayer, uh, Darnell Washington. But this is a guy that, if you're looking for a receiving threat, this is him. I, I hear you, and I definitely moved up on quite a bit after going over uh, film a bit more. I had him, I don't remember I had him, but I had him too low for your liking, and he ended up moving up quite a bit in my draft rankings. Um, he currently sits on my tight end four, and he's ranked 49th in my class. So I, like uh, I definitely definitely go around me quite a bit. And when you compare it to Dalton Kincaid, I think Dalton Kincaid is definitely the better of the two. Um, I think he currently sits as you know a little bit better of an athlete a little more refined um not not like not like i, I shouldn't say a little bit better of an athlete but he does like things different like better differently athletically i should say um it's like you, you can kind of like yin and yang type thing i guess uh, but i think he's just a little more refined and someone i'm trusting 100 percent day one to go to go catch a bunch of balls for me where laporta maybe i want him to be more so like you can give him a bunch of snaps but maybe more supplemental on my offense and let him let him adapt a little bit more um to Kind of comment on the route running thing, though. I got a little fun fact for you, and it's just about my my grading scale. Um, 
So it's out of six for categories. Some couple categories, it's out of three, and it's for measurable stuff normally in college production. But it's out of six. For my receivers and my tight ends, I have three guys that have perfect route running scores. It's JSN, Donk, Caden, Sam Laporta. That is my favorite thing about him is he is just an absolutely elite route runner. It's what Jerry Judy was coming out of college in terms of his route running. I guess just it's Sam Laporta. Same same thing for me. Like it, it's obviously to you know a receiver to a tight end. So the fact that a tight end can have that that's huge. I think that's going to be his ultimate selling point in the NFL as long as he shows he can continue that and how maybe even expand upon it a little more and, and really just embarrass not only linebackers, but defensive backs. Like he's got a lot of chance for, uh, for success. Yeah. And when comparing Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta, I think when it comes to strictly the route running, receiving ability, that kind of stuff, I give Sam Laporta the slight edge, but I think where Dalton Kincaid makes up that ground and why I, I still got to go back through my tight ends, but why he is currently my number one tight end was after the catch. Dalton Kincaid was just another level uh, I think Sam Laporta yeah. can get there with the athletic ability that he has. Um, and he wasn't bad by any means in that aspect, but I think he could really reach a next level. And you talk about Iowa tight ends. I mean, there's been so many. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle. I think Sam Laporta is going to be another one of these guys that is going to shine at the next level. I think that he is on the same track uh, or same ability as um, Noah Fant when it comes to the receiving ability, but he's better in the trenches than Noah Fant was. I don't think he's as good as George Kittle or TJ Hawkinson there, but he's definitely suitable in that aspect. So excited to see what he can do. And I, I think that he is going to be, if he goes to a good position, I think he can already be a top eight dynasty tight end in fantasy football. Hot take. I think it's, I think it's possible, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know. That, that's, it's a large take. I mean, when you look at your top eight, I mean, I'm sure people still have your like Dallas Goddard's and stuff in there, which you look at Dallas Goddard's last couple of seasons, like they haven't been wowing by any means. So I think that uh, depending on his position could be a, could be a good little, good little player there. I mean, I think he'll be a good player, but I, I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll see. Eh? All right. You're number four. At number four, going Travis Hodges Tomlinson, cornerback. I right now my sixth ranked cornerback, my forty fifth ranked player in the class, and it, same player and a six foot build is I think slam dunk cornerback one. I I really do like he is incredible when it comes to you know like deflecting balls, defend, defending passes, even despite his size. You know five eight one seventy eight is what he measured in. It, it's very small. He does not have big hands. He does not have long arms. But man, he he just he finds a way to get up there. Um, you know, he, he's got he's got a great vert, great broad. He's got an awesome, you know, just awesome athletics, good forty time, and he does a really really strong job. Just just going and disrupting passes, like, as I mentioned, and you know, he had three interceptions as well. Um, on this last season, on top of his fifteen passes defended, someone who, you know, he he does pretty well tackling. He he's not um, you know, someone that like you have to worry too much about um, despite the size. I, I think he can, you know, can, once he gets a hold of you, I think compared to the other corners, it's not going to be much of an issue. There might be some guys that are a little, little bit better. Sure. I, I get that, but it doesn't concern me. If I, I, I've always got to, you know, place my heart for very small players and very big players. And, you know, right now it's the guy who's very small, but like it, he would truly would be talent. I was locked in the first round pick with just average quarterback size. So, Give him a chance. 
let him prove that he can win outside for you, um, even despite that size. And if he can't, he'll just go ahead and be the best slot corner in the league. Yeah, and how you talked about Kendra Miller being your number 12, but it just shows the respect you have for the class overall. It's similar for LT's nephew here for me. Um, I have him number nine in the cornerback class, but I still have a second-round grade on him, and I think he's going to be excellent. I mentioned in our uh, cornerback talk last week that he reminds me a lot of Mike Hilton, who is a Cincinnati Bengal. I mean, the guy is aggressive. He's fast. He's great in uh, great over the middle of the field, covering slot receivers. Like this guy doesn't have many flaws aside from the size. And then there is some question marks. I know you said you're not too worried about it, but with the size question marks on if he can take down some of the bigger guys, if he goes up against a Derrick Henry in the run game, I'm not sure it's going to go over too well. I'll be honest, but I mean, this guy has the skill, the mirroring ability, the aggressiveness that you like to see out of players like this, and I think he's going to be one of the best slot corners in the league. Very excited for him. But I'm not going to lie, Chase. I'm a little surprised you went Hodges Tomlinson over Emmanuel Forbes, who I know you're also a giant fan of. Yeah, it, it was between the two. And at the end of the day, I went um, Hodges Tomlinson just, just because – of, of the size, and I, I I think he can win outside despite being 5'8". So I, I figured I should talk about it extra more than we just did on our DB show. And Emmanuel Forbes, I think, is like a, a quarterback one for a team. So I would have had no problem talking about him, but I, I wanted to make sure to give my guy THG some love. But shout out Emmanuel Forbes. The guy's just an absolute menace. The Slim Reaper of defensive backs. Yeah, I mean, the cornerback class is fantastic this it's, year. and It's great, dude. I, I agree with you that... If Hodges Tomlinson was six foot and was more looked at as an outside corner compared to a slot corner, his value would be higher. And he would likely be one of those players talked about as potentially a first round pick. So I don't think it would be a a guaranteed lock in my eyes. Um, But definitely when you look at the slot corner role, and smaller guys, they're not as higher valued as a true lockdown outside corner. But the crazy thing is, is he was a true lockdown corner at TCU, even with his 5'8 frame. Which is why I think it's at least worth giving him a shot. If if you don't at least give him a chance, like you're doing yourself a disservice because you're going to spend decent draft capital on him. If you just don't let him have a shot, like what are you doing? I get that. I'd also, if I had two great corners on the outside already and was just looking for that slot, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a chance. I'd just be like, all right, dude, this is, you're going to be the best damn slot corner in the league. Also, I don't think it would really be a worry for him, but some other players, I mean, you never really know where their mental game stands. And if they get beat a couple of times, what does that do to them? So uh, I don't think that would really affect. LT's nephew per se, but there is those questions when it comes to just prospects as a whole. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I don't think he's going to because I, I think he's getting drafted day two. Um, like for sure. And it might be third round, I, I don't know. But I don't think a team that has like bona fide corners is gonna spend a pick on him unless it's a team that's like 
we're so good and our draft boards happen to fall this way. Might as well take this guy for, for supplemental help. But I, I think he'll go somewhere where like he'll be, even if it is in the slot, someone that they trust is like, you know, they're identifying as their quarterback too. Mm-hmm. My number four, uh, and I'll be honest, I'm going to go with the defensive player here, but he's the only defensive player I'm going to be mentioning. And the defensive side of the ball was hard for me because I feel like most players that are on the top of my list are pretty consensus. There's no guys that really stand out as I'm much higher on than others, except for the one I'm going to be talking about. Um, I would have loved to talk about Christian Gonzalez. I think he is probably uh, my favorite defensive player in this draft class. I think there's better, but he's probably my favorite defensive player in this draft class. But everyone knows he's going to be a top 15 pick. He's awesome. So the defenseman I'm going to talk about as my guy is B.J. Ojolari out of LSU. Everyone knows, or if you've listened to the episode, uh, I've got him very high. I've got him in my top 15 of the NFL draft, and that's as the number four edge. So that kind of shows you what I think about this edge class. I think it's got a very high ceiling. Will Anderson up there. Nolan Smith has insane athleticism. Tyree Wilson, a great ceiling as well. But B.J. Ojolari, one of those guys that... Right now, he's still got work to do in his game, but he shows the will and want to be at that next level. I talked about how he's already being creative at LSU. He's trying new things. If he gets shut down, that doesn't mean he's going to stop using it. He's going to try again. Now maybe he won't continue to go, and you know the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. He's not crazy, but he's going to try to make some things work. He's going to experiment a little bit. And once he finds something that does work, he's going to continue to beat down the offensive tackles with that ability. I think he's a pretty solid run stopper already, but when it comes to just his pass rush, he's already at an elite level. He's got elite bend. He's got good speed. I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level. I think he's better than his brother Aziz. And I, I think whoever gets him, if he's in the second round, it's going to be a steal. Yeah, and I, I, I've got him ranked at 38, and I, I think he probably goes in the second round. I, I, I do. So wherever you get him in the second round is probably good value. And so 38, edge 7, when you get someone ranked that high in the draft, it's it's not a slight by any means. Even if he's viewed as your seventh edge, it doesn't matter. He's still a very talented player. My only like, question, the thing that holds him back is – just looking at him, I, I think he can add, you know, a little bit more weight, maybe a little bit more, more muscle, just add more mass. I think that would really go a long way for him to help him kind of be able to dominate more a little bit when it comes to that power strength game. I think he could have, a, you know, a lot more success if he if he can just kind of, you know, figure that out. Nothing you can do about the height is what it is, but, you know, he he, he weighed in at 248. If, if he can get to 258 without sacrificing athleticism, like that would make him look so much bigger and have, let him have a lot more success. So I'd love to see him try to do that, see if it works out. But even if not, he's still going to be at least a great second pass rusher on your team. Like if you got an elite pass rusher, a team's got to account for for a for a double block. You can go worry about him on the other side, and he's going to kind of have a field day. So I'd be I'd be very happy uh, if I were a team and he happened to fall on my lap. Like that'd be great. Yeah, and I don't know if I see B.J. Ojolari as your Miles Garrett type, where uh, he's going to be like easily the number one pass rusher on your team. Uh, but I think he can very well fit a role of a 1A, 1B 
be one of those top guys that you continue to think about. He's not going to be a guy that is going to be the number one priority, but I also don't think you're going to be like, oh, it's, that's just your number two. Um, so I, I really like BJ Ojolari. He's got long arms too, which is really fun because if a running back gets away from him, which they don't usually, he can track him down really easily, got good speed. And oftentimes when you saw him disrupting the run, it was coming from around the backside of the running back. So uh, he's good in that area, and, and you know how I feel about him in the pass rush as well. So really excited to see what B.J. Ojolari can do. I think that he is able to start day one and have some decent production. I'm not going to give a true prediction of like 10 sacks plus like I did with Yordis Karloftis last year um, because he didn't get those 10 sacks. However, he was second in pressures amongst rookies only behind Aiden Hutchinson. So I, I feel kind of feel kind of good about that. Yeah, uh, God, I was so happy with Hutch last year. He, he, did, he did such a great job for a rookie. But yeah, no, your, your boy, George, like Carl Loftus, he, he is awesome. He looks like he's going to be like, not not a 20-sack guy, but like just an unrelenting just dude in, in pressure. And I know we're, mm-hmm. it's a previous draft class, so we're not talking about him too much, but like, he, he's going to be an awesome defensive player. And you know, if Ojalari ends up in this you know same like aspect in terms of his rookie production, you know, maybe in a different way, but in, in terms of that rookie production, like that's a great rookie season. Oh, absolutely. All right. Let's end it off with your number five. My number five, I'm going to go, you know, the, the position that I think doesn't get enough love in the NFL. It, it, that's the linebacker position. I got to go Jack Campbell, even though he's just about everybody's linebacker. one without much question. It's the fact that where I have him ranked, as my 10th best player in the draft class. I have him ranked as a top 16 talent grade. Like if I took him in the top 16 pick, I'd have no problem with that. And linebackers are used a lot different than the NFL nowadays. They're, there's less and less true linebackers. More often it's a linebacker being used kind of as a pass rusher. You're seeing things with the lions do where they're only using two linebackers. They're going to have five DBs out there, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, so linebackers are, they're, they're kind of slowly dying off, but I think this is the dude where, if if you need a linebacking replacement, like grab him. It, it doesn't matter what you need him to do. He's just he's going to be able to do it. If you're a team that uses a heavy linebacker set, maybe you run three or even four out there at a time. He's the dude you want him. Like he just he does everything at a, such a high level for a linebacker position. I, I've got him legitimately elite rankings in everything ex- except for his you know his pass rush. So that's the only thing that. I think could improve, and he's not bad at it. I still have him as being good at it, but it's not just it's just not elite. But everything else, dude, he's a smart. He's gonna be the smartest defensive player in the field. He reacts incredibly well. He's a short tackler, just wraps up. The guys don't slip through him. He's awesome in coverage. He put up great numbers. He has awesome linebacker size, six four two forty nine. On top of being you know a just super high end athlete, I, I I don't I don't know what else you you, you can want from a guy. Like, I I think he's. He's going to be a, a green dot uh, kind of player where he's going to command the defense basically anywhere he goes. Probably not as a rookie because that that be that doesn't happen. That'd be very rare, but not very long, long into his career. It's, it's it's going to take him, you know, one his rookie season, like maybe through his second year before he's like the most trusted player on whatever defense he's in. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Jack Campbell a lot. He's my linebacker one, but I've got him 33 in my draft class. And we talked a little bit about it last night uh, while we were playing Xbox. And 
I just don't know if I can get there. Uh, I, I don't see him. The highest graded linebacker that I have graded up to this point was Micah Parsons. Um, I don't think he's that same level. I didn't grade Roquan, but I don't think he would grade out as high as I would Roquan uh, when he was coming out. And my only like big question marks about Campbell overall is I don't think he's an elite athlete. Uh, I, I think he's a, a good athlete to maybe even a great athlete. But when you look at guys in the top 10 of draft classes, unless they're a quarterback, they're an elite athlete. And there's potential that they could be a quarterback and an elite athlete, um, especially this year with Anthony Richardson. Um, so I don't see him as an elite athlete there. And then I do have a lot of um, – or I, I want to see more out of him when it comes to the trenches because I think – in both the run game and the pass pass rush game, he could do a little bit more. I think he tends to get locked down a little bit in the run game if players are able to get their hands on him. He doesn't really have the strength, speed, move set to kind of get off of them super quick and make that play. And then also when it comes to the pass rush, I don't know if it's the bend, if it's the strength, I don't know what it is, but I feel like he's not a fantastic pass rusher either. So uh, those are my only question marks about him. I think he's great at diagnosing the play. You said smartest player on the field. I absolutely see that out of him. I think that he is awesome in coverage, and I think that if it's him versus like a Michael Mayer, that could be like the matchup of all time on the inside, uh, at least for this draft class. So Jack Campbell, awesome in those categories. But the athleticism and around the trenches would be the the only question marks I have, which pushes him down to thirty three overall for me. Whoever drafts him, I, please just listen to me. Use him like Shaq Leonard. Thank me later because you play him the exact same role. He's going to dominate because Shaq Leonard's a a top ten coverage player in the NFL. Like he just is. Like I, I I'm sorry, the numbers prove that too. And Jack Campbell has the path to be the exact same way. He just profiles just exactly the same way, dude. I love his talent. I love his IQ. I love everything about him. I, you know, maybe I love the linebacker position too much as a whole, but I don't care. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. I love the linebacker position. I love Jack Campbell. And the thing is, you look at the linebacker position and how they've gotten paid this offseason, you're going to want a young linebacker that can be stout on your defense. We got Jermaine mm-hmm. Pratt on the Bengals for a nice cheap deal. And then just thereafter, guys were getting signed for, you know, 15, 16 million. We saw Roquan get what, 18 or 20 million, something like that with Baltimore. So, yeah. With contracts being that high, if you can nail a top linebacker, that's huge. Oh, dude, it's, it's a home run. And, you know, all these guys that I, I mentioned today, if you put them, onto a team that's ready to win. I think every single one of them can play right away, except for Bryce Redwin. Maybe he's better off being used in a complimentary role. And so if you needed him to play, like if, hell dude, if the Chiefs needed him, like Patrick Mahomes, you figure out a way to make him work. You figure out a way to get him a thousand yard receiver as a rookie. I, I think it's it's definitely possible. But like, you know, all, all, the, all these guys, especially Jack Campbell tops my list. If like, as a rookie, you, you just, you want him on the field. You don't want to take him off. Like he's just, He's going to help out in every aspect of your of your defensive game, and he's just going to be such a trusted player. It, it's just I I would never take him off the field. 
yeah, good little player there for sure. Um, I'm going to run mine off with a wide receiver. Uh, and I, okay. I was initially going to talk about the one and only Rasheed Rice. And if you've watched our wide receiver rankings, you know how big of a fan I am of his. Of his. Uh, I believe he is my wide receiver six. However, redoing some wide receiver film, I watched someone new who is now my wide receiver five. And so I decided that I would talk about him instead, and that's going to be Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. Uh, He's gotten a lot of hype in the last couple of weeks, which I think he rightfully deserves. This is a guy who easily gets comparisons with A.J. Brown. When you look at him, he's 6'1", 220 pounds. A.J. Brown came into the draft at six foot, just a little bit over six foot, 226 pounds. They got that same stocky build. They both wore number one at Ole Miss. It's easy to look at these guys and say, you know, they're pretty similar. When you look at their 40-yard dash, A.J. Brown, 449. Jonathan Mingo, a 4-4-8. Jonathan Mingo was better when it comes to the 10 and the 20-yard split. And then, as you hear, just slightly better. Actually, it was it's a 4-4-6, not a 4-4-8. Excuse me. Um, this is a guy that I think can fill that A.J. Brown role really well. He plays physical. I noticed immediately, the first thing that I saw with this guy is that he is the best wide receiver when it comes to blocking. Whether that be blocking for a screen blocking in the run game, no matter what he's doing, if he's blocking, he is the best one in the class. Remember talking about George Pickens last year, Chase, where George Pickens blew dudes up in the blocking game? Mingo can do the same thing. So I absolutely love Mingo for that reason. I think that he's already a really, really polished route runner. I don't say he's elite, such as Jackson Smith and Jigba, but He's already very polished when it comes to his route running. His hands are awesome. I think that the differences between A.J. Brown and Jonathan Mingo, who are similar in a lot of ways, I think Mingo's already stronger coming out of the draft compared to A.J. Brown when it comes to his play strength and his um, his blocking ability. I think he's already there. I think he's also got a better release than A.J. Brown did as he was coming out. I think... The positives for A.J. Brown was he's a little bit better after the catch. So I'd like to see Mingo develop a little bit there. Uh, But I think overall, this guy, his flaws are minimal. All things that they can be worked on as well. There's some players that they have flaws and it's just not very possible to work on. Mingo can work on all his flaws and I think he's already got a really safe floor to come in, be a wide receiver too on a team. And I think that he has the potential to eventually be that wide receiver one. Now, I still have him as a day two grade. I have him as my number five. And when you look at overall rankings, I believe he's around 43, 42. But this is a guy that we didn't talk about in our first wide receiver rankings. And I figured let's give some love for the boy. I guess I'm going to need to rewatch because... I don't really agree with this high praise. Um, you know, I've got him as a day three grade, pretty rel- you know, overall relatively low in my rankings. I got him at, you know, 
136 right now, and he just didn't. You know, that's that's a, that's still a fourth round pick for me. So like comparative, you know, to everyone else and where you have him, like it, it's it's kind of low. Um, I I just I don't know, man. I, I I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's good enough in any as any aspect to go like, all right, this dude's right, ready to go. I'm happy to play him year one as my wide receiver too. I I I'm just I'm not there. I I think he you know down the road it can he be a nice option sure like you know, look at what josh reynolds was for for the lions last year you know the serpent of death as uh, dan campbell would call him he you know should he be a guy that you trust every down no but if you need him to come in and do something uh, he can definitely do it it's the same thing for having one of these elite you know backup quarterbacks in the league you know like when you look at garner Minshew, maybe he's you know not worthy of a starter but like i would I would happily pay him a ton of money to be my backup because like he can go in and just do what he needs to do. He's never going to wow you never gonna, you know, like completely flop unless he's playing injured, which happened in Jacksonville. But it's a similar thing to Jonathan Mingo where like, I, I don't, I don't want to target him a hundred times. Like I, I just, I don't think he's good enough to, to put enough, put up enough production for that. I don't think he has enough dynamic ability or he's too elite in one, one way or the other, just from what I've seen. But I do think, he is well-rounded, and if he, you know, gets the opportunity where he has to like play, like he, he won't do bad. I just think he's probably better off, you know, maybe seeing if he can develop things a little more, see what he can do long-term, or if he goes into a high-acting offense that just really needs an extra receiver, maybe he finds some success that way. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really see any big weaknesses in his game, and. I think that if you don't see weaknesses in a game, then you go and look, is he an, a fantastic athlete? And he is. Jonathan Mingo scored a 986 on his brass. And I know we were tweeting or, you know, putting in our, our tweet messages. Um, you said that you'd have to go back and watch him because you've been seeing a lot more hype. Did you get to him yesterday? Or is this still your initial thoughts based on the first time you watched him like two months ago? It's still initial. I, I had zero chance to get to him yesterday or today. So like I'm I, I'm gonna go back and watch. He's a guy I absolutely plan on going back and watching and you know seeing what I missed. But so those are just my initial notes that I took weeks ago. He's a guy, you know, I went back and watched a lot of players on offense. He's not one guy I rewatched. Yeah, and I know that and this might not be the case. Maybe you have the same thoughts on him. Maybe he even dropped some. Like Keishon Butte was a guy that you and I both had in our top ten. We went back and watched. We saw his RAS score, yeah. he dropped. So, uh, I, again, you might have the same thoughts on him, but I know for me, when I sat down and I was watching for three, four hours, that film fatigue really added up and I started missing some stuff. Um, Jonathan Mingo, I did not watch him the first time around. I watch him now and I think he's a great player. And, uh, just speaking on that film fatigue real quick, Josh Downs was initially like my like 15th or 16th receiver, he's jumped up to my number nine. So this is a guy that I really like as well. He's only got a 2% drop rate, which is the best in the class. Um, so just little things that I've missed across the way. I think there could be that potential for you, but who knows? I'm excited to hear your thoughts after you rewatch them. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to let you know. And Josh Downs, he's my wide receiver 11 end of day two for me. So if he goes in the first round, like I saw some people saying, oh, maybe he's good enough. That would be an absolute mistake. But nonetheless, Mingo, I'll definitely go back and rewatch. I, I got some time this week. So we'll take a look and I will be sure to update you. Going to be exciting. But those are our guys. My guys, our guys, Chase's guys. 
They're my guys, your guys, our guys. Those are the ones that we are very excited for. We have a lot higher than general consensus at this point. I'm excited to hear of you guys, all the fans watching right now or listening right now. Is there anyone that you are super excited for? Who are your guys? Let us know down in the comments if you are on YouTube. If you could, please give us a like and subscribe as well as hit that notification or hit the bell to turn on notifications. That would be fantastic. We got our mock draft next week. We've got another mock draft with Landon, my cousin, the Locker Room podcast. So be on the lookout for both of those. It's exciting. We're only a week and a half away from the draft. It's going to be fantastic. If you want to see our updated, after we go through everything, our updated top tens for every single position, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. That's again on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. We're going to be releasing graphics of our top 10 right there. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you are listening on a podcast platform, if you could also give us a five-star rating and a follow, we'd really appreciate it. It's been a long time coming, but the draft season is almost over. We're so excited. Thanks so much for coming out. And as always, we're not professionals.